look at Matthew, if you found it there, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. I want to spend some time this morning talking about the church. What is the church? Who is the church? Why is the church so important? What makes the church different from the social clubs in our cities? What makes the church different from the other organizations that you and I can be a part of? And uh, as we go to this topic, to find the answer to this question, I want to read to you what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He said, You are the light of the world, and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit which you have promised to us. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. I pray as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation. That in hearing the word they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask you this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is not an organization, but rather an organism. It is a living, breathing body. It was the plan and strategy of God from the day of Pentecost to the coming of Christ to reach the world through His church. If the church does not do what it was called by God to do, then the world suffers for eternity. You see, if lawyers don't do what they do, we do without law. That is a tragic consequence. If peace officers do not do what they do, then we do without order. And that is a tragic consequence. If teachers and professors do not do their job, then we go into ignorance. And that is also a tragic consequence. But if the church of Jesus Christ does not do what she was called by God to do, then the world goes into eternity separated from God forever. There is a great consequence to the church doing or not doing its its job and achieving its purpose. And here we find that Jesus calls the church a city upon a hill. He says to us, you are the light of the world. And a city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. He's not speaking simply as a symbolic thing or a metaphor, which is certainly true in the text. But he's talking about the influence of his body in the earth. He's talking about the influence of the church upon a dark society. Here we find that Jesus says that a city upon a hill cannot be be hidden. And I want to just challenge your heart with this this morning. That in the midst of the days that you and I are living in, critical days, if you haven't noticed, we are living in dangerous times. These are dangerous times for the nation. They are dangerous times for the world. And they are dangerous times for the church. But in the midst of dangerous times, the church cannot run and hide. The church does not have the luxury of hiding out and uh, saying, well, things are going badly, so they just will continue as they are. 
You and I have a responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to be salt and light in the midst of darkness. To be a flaming torch of hope in the midst of despair. The church cannot hide because of the critical nature of our times. You and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, have the only hope of the world. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? You and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are the only ones that have a word of hope. The politicians, if you haven't noticed, they have no hope. They have no answers for our troubled nation. The, the educators are at their wit's end trying to solve the problems of our world. The only hope for humanity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I as the church are the guardians of that gospel. Friend, the gospel is not going to be preached by City Hall. It's not going to be preached by educators in the, in the universities. It's going to be preached by the church of Jesus Christ. Because of the darkness of our days, you and I cannot afford to hide. There is great darkness in the middle of our generation, but we can't afford to hide. We have to go out and shine the pure light of gospel truth in the midst of darkness. The Bible tells us a story of the nation of Israel. It gives us a little clue as to their national condition in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says that Eli the priest was falling asleep. He, he, uh, his eyes were, were unable to see. He was partly blind. And the lamp of God was going out in the temple. I believe that the Holy Spirit there gives us a clue as to what the, the state of the nation of Israel was at the time. The priest, the man of God, was sleeping half blind and the lamp of God, the light of God, was going out in the temple. There we see that there was a sleeping church. That there was a, a disinterest in the things that were going on around them. I fear today that we have a sleeping church in America. We have a church that has become disinterested in the things that are going on. We have forgotten that there is a battle, a good fight of faith that you and I must fight. We cannot afford to sleep while our children are being gunned down in their schools. We cannot afford to sleep while, while there is violence in our city. We cannot afford to sleep while souls are being destroyed by drugs and alcohol and, and pornography and these addictions. The church cannot afford to hide and least of all today. The scripture says arise you sleeper and Christ will shine on you. It is time for the church to be awake. The Bible said that the good man planted good seed, but while he slept, the enemy came and sowed the tares among the wheat. How many of you have, because of spiritual sleep, have found that the enemy has sown tares of division and destruction into your family and into your marriage. This is the day to be alert to what is really going on in our world. The scripture says that Eli the priest was sleeping. He was half blind. It meant that he lacked discernment. He could no longer see right from wrong. 
Oh, church, if there's ever been a day when the church lacked discernment, it's today. We have become so ambiguous about what's right and what's wrong that we have watered down in many places the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what I believe is happening in America? I believe that God is drawing a line. He's drawing a line between those who will serve him and those who will not. This is a day for you to discern which side you are on. It is said that during the Civil War, they asked President Lincoln, they said, Mr. President, do you think God is on our side? He said, it doesn't concern me whether God is on our side. He said, what I want is to be on God's side. That is the need of our day, friend, to be on the Lord's side. Moses, after the nation of Israel was worshiping that golden calf, he said, who is on the Lord's side? And the scripture said that of the 12 tribes, only the tribe of Levi stood up and said, we are on the Lord's side. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who is on the Lord's side in Beeville, Texas? Is there anybody that's willing to get on God's side? You and I must decide, I am on the Lord's side. The Bible said that the lamp was going out in the temple. This represented the fact that in the temple, the priests had to go in daily and renew the oil in the lamp. But the fact that it was going out, it implied that the lamp had not been cleansed. It had not been renewed. The oil of that lamp had begun to dry out. Friend, There is a need in every person's life, a need in the life of every believer to have a constant and fresh flow of the anointing and presence of God on your life. Is the lamp going out in your life? Is the light going out in your lamp? Have you neglected spiritual things? Have you neglected prayer? Have you neglected fasting? Have you neglected the study of the scriptures? Have you neglected the seeking of God's face? Friend, this is a day to be revived. This is a day to be renewed. If you've laid aside those very important practices, it's time to take them up again, to renew the oil in your lamp. To say, Holy Spirit, anoint me again. Renew me again. Revive your work in the midst of our days. Oh, church, we cannot afford to hide. We need to be burning brighter than we've ever burned before. We need to be alive with the message of hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot hide because of the lateness of the hour. Do you realize that we don't have much time? There is a day approaching in which God will judge the world in righteousness, in which God will call men to account. And at that day, there will be no more time for preaching. There will be no more time for altar calls. There will be no more time for repentance. Today is the day of repentance. Now is the time. Look at the lateness of the hour and see that we cannot hide. But you know what encourages me about that story in Samuel? And while the church, the, the lamp of God was going out and the, the priest was half blind and the, the community was lacking in discernment and there was darkness all around, the Bible said that God began to speak 
he spoke to a little boy named Samuel. He found a vessel that he could use. He found a ear that would hear his voice. He called out to him and said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said to him, here am I, Lord. And, and friend, I believe today that God is looking for just such a church. He's not looking for the most educated among us. He's not looking for the richest among us. He's not looking for the most dynamic among us. He's looking for someone that will hear his voice. Someone that will say, yes, Lord, speak to me. He's looking for a remnant that will honor him and put him first. A remnant that will say, Lord, I will be your representative. I will seek your face. If no one else will pray, then I will pray. If no one else will study your word, then I will study your word. If no one else will preach, then I will preach. If no one else will intercede, then I will intercede. Are there anyone in here that's willing to be the remnant in this day to say, God, you can use me. I am willing. I am ready. I am available. I want to give you three reasons this morning quickly why I believe that the city on a hill will always be shining. Three reasons why I believe the church of Jesus Christ will always be prevailing. There have been times in the history of the church when the church has almost died out, where the light of truth has just about ended. There was a time in the, in the, in the dark ages where the lamp of God was going out. Just as in the days of Samuel. And the lamp of God was going out because religion had replaced relationship with God. And ritual had replaced the anointing of the Spirit. And tradition had replaced the Word of God. But in the midst of that bleak moment for the church... God raised up a man named Martin Luther and he made him a bright and burning torch in the midst of his generation. I believe that America today has hope because there's still a remnant in the church willing to stand up for truth and willing to proclaim loudly the love and the grace of God. Reason number one why I believe the city on a hill will always be shining and is this, that the church is the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the church of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus was talking about his church. He didn't say, I will build your church. He said, I will build my church. I want you to know this church, that the church is the church of Jesus Christ. It's not the church of a man. It's not the church of a religious system. It's not the church of a tradition. It is the church of Jesus Christ. This church, this church is not Pastor Isaac's church. Say amen. This church is the church of Jesus Christ. Say amen. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the church. Now, this is a very important principle for us to get this morning, that the church is, is, belongs to Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to the apostles. It doesn't belong to the pastors and the elders. It doesn't even belong to you as the congregation. Jesus is the Lord of the church. You know when churches get into trouble? 
You know, they say there's no fight like a church fight. And if you've ever been to a church fight, it can get pretty sticky in there. But thank God we haven't had any church fights around here in a very long time. The Lord is the Lord of this church. I said Jesus is the Lord of this church. And when Jesus is Lord, there's peace. When Jesus is Lord, there's the presence of God. You know when churches get into trouble? Churches get into trouble when men become Lord of the church. Churches get into trouble when men become the Lord of the church. They say, it's going to be done my way. It's going to be done how we say. Sometimes you have a board and the board is in control of the church and the pastor does what what he's told and neither God nor nobody but that board is the Lord of that church. Other times you have a pastor who's the Lord of the church and then everybody does what he says and his word is law. And, and you see, friend, we get into trouble because we let men rule where God should rule. There is a place that God will not share His glory. He will not share His glory with any man or with any woman. And He is absolutely emphatically determined to be Lord. If a man is Lord of a church, then that man has to bless that church. But if Jesus is Lord of the church, then Jesus will bless that church and Jesus will do His His work and His will in that place. And so I don't want you to get into trouble as you walk in this Christian walk by looking toward man or looking toward a religious system or looking toward an ideal. But look to Christ. Jesus Christ alone can save the sinner. Jesus Christ the Lord can sanctify the saint. Jesus Christ alone is Lord and, 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 and King and that He alone is the Son of God. He said, I will build my church. Kingsway Church is blessed because we have made a decision. Jesus will be Lord of this church. As the pastor, I have the responsibility of overseeing what happens here. But I answer to God. I answer to Him. And the the board that serves with me, the elders, we answer to the Lord. We want Him to be Lord in this house. We want His will to be done. We want His word to be preached. We want His presence to be sensed. We want His love to be enjoyed by all. We want this church to know that Jesus is the Lord of Kingsway Church. That's why we have the blessing of God. That's why we have the presence of God. Listen to what Jesus said. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, my church will always triumph. Hell's gates will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. This church, friend, is going to have victory so long as Jesus is Lord. The Christian will have victory so long as Jesus is his Lord. Now, I've been talking about the church, but let me narrow it down real fine and and small for you. Is Jesus the Lord of your heart? Because I'm talking about Jesus, the Lord of this church, saying, Amen, preach it, preacher. But now I want to know, is Jesus the Lord of your heart? Who calls the shots in your heart? Who calls the shots in your home? You want a blessed house? Let Jesus be the Lord of your house. 
You want a blessed marriage? Let Jesus be the Lord of your marriage. You want a blessed life? Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. If Jesus is Lord, you will have the blessing of God. Now I want to give you the second reason. The second reason that the church, the city on a hill, will always be shining is that the church was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. The church is the result of Pentecostal power. The Bible tells us this, that Jesus ascended into heaven. What a glorious day that must have been. 500 people saw him ascend into heaven. And he said to them, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so they began to wait one day, two days, three days, four. And as they waited, many people started to leave. 500 dwindled down to 120 by the 10th day. And as they waited, they didn't know what they were waiting for. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit would look like. They didn't know what it would feel like. They didn't know if he was bringing in a government or, or what was going to happen. All they had was a simple instruction to wait. How are you with instructions? Are you increasing your capacity to obey instructions? If Jesus is Lord in your life, you're going to need to learn how to obey his instructions. How to do the things that he has commanded of you to do. So they waited. And then the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And the Bible said that they began to fall upon them. Cloven tongues as of fire. A, a powerful manifestation of the presence of God filled the house. Which was the house of God, the temple. And as those tongues of fire began to fall upon each one. An entity was born which the world had never seen before. It was not an organization, but an organism. It was not a collection of men, but it was a powerful force of God upon the earth. That day, on the day of Pentecost, the church of Jesus Christ was born, and it was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was born by fire and by the presence of God, oh friend. I don't ever want to be the pastor of a church that can't experience His presence. I want the presence of God to be so natural to us as breathing air. Because that is what we were born into. The church was born by the presence and the power of God. The Bible said they began to speak in other tongues. They began to speak in a foreign language. A language that they had not previously spoken before. What was this? It was a powerful sign. But the scripture tells us that when the people began to hear their native languages spoken, they began to wonder in awe of what was happening. I'll tell you, friends, that of all the gifts of the Spirit, there's only one gift that was not visible in the Old Testament, and that is the gift of tongues. So you ask, well, what's the importance of this gift? Well, on the day of Pentecost, when God began to speak to man, he began to speak in every language that was known to the people on that day. 
as if you were if you were from a particular country, someone began to speak your language. What's so important about that? Well, before that, God had only spoken in one language. He had only spoken to one people, the Hebrew people, in one language, the Hebrew tongue. But when the church was born, God announced to the world, "I am now going to speak to man in every language under the sun, so that every man everywhere can know that I am God and that I." I am their savior. That's what you and I are a part of. You and I are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, born by Pentecostal power through the power of the Spirit. And where the Spirit of God is allowed to flow and to move, He is still at work today. Some churches have turned off the spout of the Spirit. Others have said, no, no, it's too much for us. We can't handle all of that. But friend, I'll tell you that there is nothing in the world like the presence of the living God. There is nothing in the world like the power and the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I want to be in His presence. I want to know His power. I want to be a part of His body. The Spirit of God is still available to you today. The Holy Spirit is still falling upon believers today. He is still falling like raindrops from heaven upon those who will seek Him. Upon those who will invite Him. And upon those who will desire Him. Can I give you one more thing here about the day of Pentecost? The scripture tells us that uh, in, the, in the Mount Sinai, when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, you remember they were worshiping a golden calf. And Moses took the Ten Commandments. He thrust them down on the ground. And he was angry. And then the scripture says, as I mentioned a moment ago, that, that Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites signed up. And he told the Levites, start killing the nation of Israel, those who have, who have perverted the righteousness of God. And that day, the day of Pentecost, the original day of Pentecost, 3,000 people died by the sword. 3,000 people died on the day of Pentecost. Fast forward several thousand years, and now the day of Pentecost has come. And the church has been born. And when the, when the apostle Peter begins to preach, he begins to preach with such power. That foot in the mouth disciple, that cursing sailor of a, of a disciple began to preach the word of God. And it wasn't by his own anointing, but the anointing of the spirit of God upon his life. And do you know that 3,000 people got saved on the day when the church was born? When the law was given, 3,000 people died. But when grace was born, 3,000 people came to life that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that friends is what you and I are a part of we are a part of that church born on the day of Pentecost I want to give you one more reason this this morning as I close as to why the church of Jesus Christ the city on the hill will always be shining when I read the book of Revelation chapter 19 of the book it says that the Lord has a great wedding feast. And at the wedding feast, it describes the church. It says that the church or the saints are dressed in white linen garments. And that they have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The scripture says there, blessed are those who have been invited. 
to the marriage supper of the Lamb. For this is the bride of Christ. Oh, you see, friend, I believe the church will always be a city shining on the hill because it is the church of Jesus Christ. Because it was born with Pentecost and power. But I believe also that the church of Jesus Christ will always be a city on a hill because its future has been written from long ago. God has already ordained the future of the church. The church of Jesus Christ, the saints of the Lord, will be gathered with Him on that great reunion day. There's coming a day of reunion for the body of Christ. A day in which we will all be gathered as one to celebrate the Lamb who was slain from before the foundations of the world. Our destiny has already been written. Our future is already determined. Our seat at the marriage supper has already been reserved. And if you have received Christ by faith, friend, then you will have your part and share in that glorious celebration. And you and I will spend eternity with God in heaven. Jesus loved the church. He loves the church so much he wants to spend eternity with the church. And the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says these words. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You realize, friend, that Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church and he gave himself for her. He died for you as an individual. He died for us as a body. But you know, we're not the church. There are, all the believers in Beeville are part of the church. All the believers in the state of Texas and the United States are part of the church. All of the believers in the world today are part of the church. And all the saints of all the ages, we are part of the church. Jesus died for us. He shed his blood for the church. You know, sometimes churches go through trouble. They go through seasons. We're in a good season today. We're in a blessed season today. But there might be some churches in our community that are going through a difficult season. That are going through a hardship. We need to pray for them. We need to lift them up before God because Jesus loves them. And just as Jesus loved the church, I want to invite you, encourage you, challenge you to pray like this. To say, Lord, teach me to love my church. Teach me to love my church. You know, sometimes we, get, we, we become selfish or self-centered. We want to get in and out. Don't want to talk to anybody else. Don't want to pray for anybody else. Don't want to serve anybody else. I just want to get what's mine and leave. But we're a body. We need each other. I said we need each other. And if you and I will adopt the heart of Christ, he said, I love my church. I gave myself for it. He gave himself for us and I want to invite you to give yourself for what God is doing in this house 
give yourself up in prayer for the, for the glory of God to continue to be manifest in this house. For God to continue to send those gracious waves of revival through us. Pray for the leadership of this church. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the elders. Pray for the deacons. Pray for the, the teachers. Pray for the custodians. Pray for those who tend to the physical needs of the house of God. Pray for the membership of this church. Your brothers and sisters, some of them are sick. Some of them are homebound. Some of them are in the nursing home or the hospital. Some of them just need a touch of God, a miraculous work of the Spirit. Friend, if it's not us, then who? We are the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ takes seriously its mission to love God and to love people, it comes as close as it will ever come to achieving its purpose, which God birthed it for and ordained it to achieve. Jesus said again, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against her. This shining city on the hill will always be shining.